Can you all hear me? Yeah. All right, good. Glad. Thank you, Heath. Usually, when I come, Heath gives gives like a eulogy of me, you know, and I'm sitting right there. You know, Ben's just been so good, done great, yeah. And now I'm I'm just Ben. I'm, I like that. I actually like that. Um, so it's uh, I want to say Happy New Year, but it seems like we've already had four months of the new year. You ever notice, like, like what is this, the 24th? Right, wow. It seems, yeah, it's still residual of 2020. And, but as we all know, God's calendar, His sense of timing and all that, is just like ours. That, you know, we had a bad 2020, and okay, good, now we're in 2021. 2020 is behind us, 21, everything's going to be better. You know, have you noticed that? That transition is just, it's been like walking through goo, you know? <laughs> anyway, that's okay. Um, it's a cliche, but it's, it's true. Uh, God's actually in control. He really is, which really ticks some people off. They go, all right, God, if you're really in control, what about this? What about this? What about this? Um, that'll be a message for next year. I have a message for us that... If you can grab this thing, and I, I believe you all can, um, and just put it into practice, it will change your life. Not, not just improve your life, but actually change it. Um, I know I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself, but what I want to talk about, it's so simple that it would be real easy to miss. Um, but if you just grab it and say... I want to weave that into my life. It will change your life. For the better, by the way. It will change it for the better. But even though Heath had a really good prayer, I want to pray. It, it, I mean, you didn't miss anything. You know, I, I just want to pray something different. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you have done, what you're doing. I thank you for who you are. But right now, I want to thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. For those of us who, who have given their lives to Jesus, Holy Spirit, you live in us. That is just mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. The very Spirit of Jesus would dwell in us. We also know, Holy Spirit, that you're here amongst us. And just the fact that you're here should count as like a really good day at the office. But we know there's more. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do what only you can do. You're the one that leads us into all truth. You're the one who comforts. You're the one who convicts. You're the one who heals. You're the one who delivers. You're the one that not only makes Jesus real, but you're the one that that amplifies and magnifies Jesus so that we can just fall in love with Jesus anytime we want. Holy Spirit, you're the one who does this. And so we choose to acknowledge you, depend on you, to do what only you can do. I ask that you do this for our sakes. Do this for the sakes of the people that we say we love, the ones that have been entrusted to us. And do this for the sake of the name that we carry around with us wherever we go. Amen.
So, my personality as, uh, what happened here? There we are. My personality is, uh, it's pretty direct. I don't know about you, but if there's a goal, I always reverse engineer. And I go, okay, here's the goal. Here's me. This is what I need to go forward. This is how I am with almost everything. And, you know, God made me that way. That's part of my leadership gift and all that sort of stuff. But um, it's not the only way to get things accomplished. And actually, it's not even the best way to get things accomplished in the kingdom. Even the most strong-minded, let's go take the next hill, even the most strong-minded, when they actually start following Jesus, they find out that the direct way, hmm, there's always like a distraction. It seems to me like a distraction. You want to go here? Eh, go here first. You know, me, when I was... When I was when I was raised, um, no Christianity, no nothing. But my dad says, "Look, son, there's a lot of stuff you can do, but you'll be able to do more if you run it by me first. And of course, I'm from, not only do I not know Jesus, but I'm from New Jersey. Okay, yeah, right. Everybody goes, "Oh, wow, there, that explains it." And it was like, only when I need you, right? And even as an unsaved person, even that just, just didn't know God, I thought my daddy used to have so much fun saying, if you'd only just run it by me, because there were so many things I wished I'd run it by him. You know? He did a lot of I told you so, son. He just did. And uh, it wasn't until I moved to the south that I, I realized what I should have said to him every time he said I told you so. I should have been able to say, well, bless your heart. <laughs> But we didn't have that in New Jersey. We had other ways to communicate displeasure. Anyway, I want to start off with a story in the Bible. It's in Second uh, Kings chapter 3. And there's this one king, and he had some people under him. And the people under him said, we've had enough of this king, so we're going to rebel. And now this king, he went... This guy under me, he's pretty strong. I might be able to defeat him, but what I, I want to make sure I crush this rebellion. So I'm going to get a couple other uh, king friends. So he, he reached out to one king, and he reached out to another king named Jehoshaphat. He says, hey, y'all, I need some help with this guy. And they said, all right, sure, you know, um, rebellion's not good. So we kings, you know, we're going to help you crush this rebellion. And Jehoshaphat, he, he loved God, he followed God. And he only said yes, not because he thought about it, but because he was just sort of loyal. All right, man, you need some help? I'm always there for you. So what they do, and you know, they didn't pray, they didn't do anything. They just decided to go do it. So the three armies are going together, and after a while, they're just going around in circles. And after about seven days, they're running out of supplies. And, and they're running out of water. This is not working. And so they start freaking. Have you ever done something that you wanted to do, and then you do it, and you find out, whoa, this is not working, right? Well, that's what they did, and they're kings. So they're going, what should we do? And Jehoshaphat goes, uh, maybe we should get a prophet. 
maybe we should hear about what God has to say about this, all right? Because we're stuck. And, and the army that we're going to try to crush, we're in a position where that army could crush us. We need to hear from God. So they go, all right, who should we go? They took out their little black book, prophet, prophet, prophet. And they went, Elisha. And they all went, yeah, he has the word of the Lord, but he also had a reputation. It's really interesting. Elisha served this older prophet named Elijah. And uh, Elisha eventually had twice the ministry of Elijah had, but here was Elisha's reputation, even amongst the kings. Yeah, he's the guy that used to wash the hands of Elijah. In other words, Elisha not only had gifting, he had character. He was a servant. He, 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 whoever, whoever was above him, he, he served them in such a way that they would be successful. And so the king goes, that's someone you can trust. We can trust someone like that. You, know, you want to trust someone who has gifting, but it's easier to trust someone who has gifting plus character. So they brought in Elisha. Now, Elisha, he was a little ornery. I think he was from New Jersey. And now, seriously, he's, and he comes and he's looking at these three kings and he's mad at them. He's irritated. He has disrespect for them because they're kings, but they, they went and did something without asking for God. So he had no respect. And he goes, what do you want? What do you want? You want me to do what? You want me to get a word to the Lord? Mm. If it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't do anything. But because this guy just was naive, but he really loves God, I'll seek the Lord. And then he says this. He says, now bring me a harpist. Bring me a worship leader. Bring me someone who can get some kicking songs, right? And, and while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha, and he said, now this is what the Lord says. And he gave them a strategy, which when they implemented it, it worked. They were rescued. They were delivered from their enemies. Now, years ago, I used to read this, and I go, well, you can't prophesy. You can't get the word of the Lord unless you have background music. That's what I thought. Or, man, if it's time to minister, I've got to prophesy over someone. Wait, we need the band, because that'll stir up the anointing, and then I can prophesy, right? But that's not what was going on. He was irritated in his soul. He was just, and he's sitting there going, if I seek the Lord, if he gives me something, it'll come through the filter of my angry soul. It says, give me some music just so I can just, just put aside these foolish men and just focus on the Lord. Just sort of get myself centered. And so he did that. Who knows what he played? Kumbaya. It didn't matter. But he used it just to focus on the Lord. And the Lord gave him a word. And the word was effective. Now, I, yeah, I, I've used this when I, when I teach people on how to develop spiritual gifts, you know. Um, but there's a much wider application. The wider application is this. I call it the kingdom principle of indirection. There are things that we want to do, and there are good, good to do, things that God has put on our heart to do. And more often than not, the way to get there is not a straight line. That's where we usually get frustrated, right? Have you ever... I'm just going to give you an example, and then I'll go through some scriptural examples. Have you ever had kids that just don't listen to your authority? 
Yeah, you're all going, yeah, my neighbor, <laughs> right? Or <laughs> your son. Anyway, they, they, they just don't. I'm not, I'm not trying to put a heavy, right? Um, but the, I'm the authority. You should do what I say. I have your best interest, yada, 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 right? And many times it's a sincere desire on the part of the parent to get their kid to obey because it'll help them out in their life. It really will. The only problem is daddy ain't listening to his boss. Daddy is not, you know, submitting to his parents. Daddy's not doing that. Daddy's taking the direct route. However, if he learns to serve his boss, serve, not be anyone's slave, it's amazing when you go, all right, God, I want to learn how to submit and serve. I, I want to make my authority successful. Guess what happens? Many times the kid starts listening. It's just an indirect thing. It's the weirdest thing. I, it's, for those of you who are going, I've done that, and he still won't listen, please don't be condemned. But you just get the idea. But this, this kingdom principle of, of indirect direction, it's not a law, but it's a principle. It's so much a part of Scripture. When you finally get it, you'll see it all over Scripture. So I'm just going to go through really quickly some Scriptures. The overall perspective... Uh, there's two scriptures that come to mind. Hopefully you've all heard of this. Um, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added to you. I mean, there it is. Uh, if, if you seek not to be perfect, do everything right, but look, God, I want to be a demonstration of the kingdom. I want to advance your kingdom. You know, um, and, and I want to help me to do the right thing. If, if that's our priority, over time, guess what? Everything we need will be added to us. Dang. Here's the other one. This is, a, this is even more deep, more deep. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, it says, His divine power has given us everything. And by the way, I looked that thing up in the Greek, and you know, parsed it out and everything. Everything actually means everything. And every, his divine power has given us everything we really need for life and godliness. How do we get it? Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and His goodness. This knowledge is not knowledge about. I can read a lot, get a good sense of who someone is by reading about them, watching videos and all. But it's different than having, knowing them through relationship. I mean, before, before I got married and I said, I have my eye on this woman. And I started asking people, who is she? And I learned a lot about her. I'm going, oh my gosh, she's way above my pay grade. But mm, I think I'll go after her anyway, right? And I started knowing about her, but life really happened when I started to get to know her. And it's the getting to know, knowing through relationship. It says that everything we need for life and godliness, everything comes through our, our ongoing experiential relationship with the real Jesus. Isn't that just a killer? I mean, many of us go, all right, here's my Jesus file. I do the Jesus thing. I do Christianity. He blesses me. I love him and all. But then I got my other files. I got my happy file. I got my family file. And I got my work file. Then I got my vacation file. And like the files don't touch, right? And Jesus is sitting there going, why don't you take all those files, put it in the Jesus file and see what happens. How do we treat one another? Like, like our hearts. What, what's the right way to cultivate uh, you know, a good heart towards someone? 
Have you ever known someone that you look at them and you go, I'll love you, but only in theory and at a distance? You know, just, how, do, how do we love? How do we really love? And if you try really hard to love, it doesn't work as well. Try this. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Which makes you go, all right, this person, you don't like them. How, how can I forgive them, let alone be kind and compassionate? Just take a break. and Just, just take a break. That if you're a Christian, you go, what has Jesus forgiven me? And I can't prove this, but if you do it, it'll work. You'll start going, mm, they did this, they offended me, but I did this, and Jesus forgave me. Or I screwed up here, and Jesus didn't beat me up. He was compassionate. He was kind to me. It's really weird. You sort of check this out, and all of a sudden it's easier to be kind and compassionate to the person who irritates you like a fly in a soup, you know, that kind of thing. Here's another one. Jesus said this. This is what Jesus said in uh, John 13. A new command I give you. Love one another. Um, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. You don't know what he's talking about unless you have a reference point. Love one another. All right, Jesus, how have you loved me? Oh my gosh, while I was way away from you, um, man, as a matter of fact, I hated you. I folded my arms, going, none of this Jesus stuff. You still love me. You still cared for me. You rescued me from stuff. And then you brought me in after my attitude toward you. And you saved me even though I was an enemy. You did that. Oh my gosh, it's easy to love someone else. Or it's easier. So see, principle of indirection. You want to love someone? Just remind yourself of how much Jesus has loved you. And it just does something to your brain and your heart. If you want to correct someone, I mean, sometimes, especially men, guys, when your wife has a problem, what's the first stupid thing we say? Well, this is what you got to do. Or this is what your problem is. And it's not like, hopefully, it's not like we're controlling or condemning and all. We have so much love for our wife that we just want to fix the thing. Right? How's that working for you guys? Right. There's always the indirect. I mean, I've learned over the years the best way to help my wife is hush my mouth and really listen to her and go, oh, that must be horrible. And I'm not, I'm not manipulating her. When she's asking for help, she's asking for love and comfort and validation. And if she wants my advice, she will ask for it. This drives me nuts. Anyway... So there's people you want to fix. You really want to fix because you see the problem. All right? This is what Jesus says. When you see a problem in someone else's life and it really irritates you, before he calls it a speck. Before you pull out the speck, first pull out the board or the log in your own eye. And then when you do that, then you'll be able to, to minister effectively. Have you ever noticed some of the things that irritate people the most about others? It's true of them. There's this guy. 
you would know who it was because it's back in Southern Pines. And it wasn't you. Uh, no, there was this guy, he wanted to be in men's ministry, and we're just talking and all. And we're just talking about men. Sometimes they have anger problems. And he rose up and he just goes, I, I hate men with anger problems. Oh. And it was a wonderful opportunity to minister to him. Brother, you know, uh, I think you're right. You, you probably notice anger in other men really quickly. Yes, from a mile away. That's because you have a load of logs. Why don't we take care of your anger issues so you're in a position? And he went, oh, that makes sense. And then he hit me. No. Uh, um, have you ever heard someone go, oh, he's just so controlling. Well, what makes him controlling? He just won't do what I want him to do. There was this lady in another church. And I knew her. She comes to me. She goes, Brother Ben, can I talk to you? Sure. You know that lady who's been here for, for a few months? I go, yeah, I know about her, but I don't know her well. And he goes, well, I've been talking to her and just watching her and hearing things. And I go, yeah. She goes, she's a gossip. <laughs> so you want to correct others? Before you go correct someone, especially if you're really upset, as a general principle, not as a law. General principle, check out whether or not you got that same thing in you. Get that right with Jesus, and it's amazing to be able to minister effectively. And of course, in our politically charged land, right, whether you're on the left or the right, in the middle, in front or behind, doesn't matter, whatever your perspective, our nation is in trouble. It's just in trouble. And if any, our, our, our nation needs healing. Now, people on one side will say healing looks like this. Other people will say, on the other side will say healing looks like that. But everybody agrees on the word, we need healing. Great. So how do you get healing? Well, what you do is you rant on Facebook. Right? And you get your opinion out there. And do all this sort of stuff. Read all that sort of stuff. Now, I'm not... I'm not cutting, yeah I am, but I'm really not cutting on that in a disrespectful way, but I'm just going, how's that working for you? See the problem and let's go after it. How does God want to heal our land? In direction. He goes, listen, my people, if you're my people, humble yourself. Just humble yourself, start praying, develop a prayer life, and then actually seek my face. Which you know, seek relationship with me, not just answered prayer. And then as you as you connect with me, just turn from your sin, turn from your stuff. Alright? And if my people would do that, then G, then God says, I will hear from heaven, which is good to know that God's listening. Right? And then I will forgive you, which is great. And then he goes, I'll heal your land. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting, the indirect way? And some people, well, we have to do something. Yes. If you go through that process and start changing, let God change you, you become a transformed person. Transformed people bring uh, minister to transformed people. It's amazing. We do it the indirect way. We might actually be God's answers to the problems we see. See how indirect that is? It drives me nuts. And here's another one. Busyness. 
I mean, have you ever just, you're trying to do something, and it doesn't work, and then you go, and you go, that's it, and you just yell at everybody? Am I the only person? Right. Thank you so much for coming to my counseling session. There was this lady, she invited Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha. And she's busy getting everything ready and all that. She's a real doer. She loved to serve and all that. And she had a sister. She had a sister named Mary. So Jesus comes in. Everybody sort of knew who Jesus was. He's the dude. I mean, people hung on his words. They learned. Their lives were... And so Jesus comes into the home, and Mary's just doing all her stuff. I mean, Martha's doing all her stuff. And Mary's gone. She sits at Jesus' feet and was really focused on him and listening. Learning about him and learning about what truth really is. Does that. And she, um, Martha goes, she wigs out. She goes, Jesus, can't you see? I'm working so hard. Can you just get my sister to help me? I mean, she's like, right? What does Jesus do? He said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and upset, not just about this thing, about many things. But there's only one thing that is essential. That's from one translation. There's only one thing that's fundamentally important, absolutely necessary. Not activity, but this is what foundationally is important. Mary has chosen the right thing, and it won't be taken from her. What he was saying is, look, we all got stuff to do. We all got stuff to do. And we go, well, if I have time for devotions. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Listen, just connect with me. That's the necessary thing. Develop that relationship, you know, just me and you. And out of that, you'll be able to deal with all the stuff. And good news is that Jesus is not a liar. He tells us the truth. Now, I'm not giving you a vision for this year, because that's his job. But there is something I believe God's going to be emphasizing. This principle of indirection fits into what I think a theme that God is emphasizing most churches that I work with. Uh, back to basics. Back to basics. In high school, I was a gymnast. And I just, I just worked a couple things, rings and parallel bars. And I loved the rings, right? All that stuff. And um, the first two years, we were a really good team. When, when we competed, we often placed. It was, we were just a really good team. And then our coach, Bob Beyer, and uh, he said, guys, would you like to have a five-day camp with a former Olympian? And just us. And I go, what? Yeah, this guy's a friend of mine. Really? Sure, we do it. Parents paid the money, of course. And as we were driving there, we, we started saying, who is this guy? And I can't remember his name, but he was a Japanese guy. Now, back in the day, the Japanese were the elite of the elite of the elite in the gymnastics world. Russians were just maybe a close second, but it was the Japanese. And we're going, a Japanese Olympian. We are so pumped. And so back in those days, the scoring system's different. They had three kinds of moves. There's the A move, which is just the basics, basic swings. Uh, the B move, intermediate difficulty, get a little more points. And then the C moves, those are the really crazy things where you really pile up the points. So we are a really good gymnastic team, and so we got the A's down, right? And we're going to this Japanese guy to get 
to learn how to do the B and C moves, right? That's what we want. We want to pile up the points. So we get there, and our, our first apparatus was rings. And this guy stands in front, and he, he's a short guy and very humble, uh, but he's built. And he goes, uh, today, I'm not making fun. I'm just trying to give you a flavor of what's going on. Uh, today, we are going to work on uh, the basic swing. And we all looked at each other. Basic swing, we got that. My parents made, paid money for the basic swing. You know, so we go through it. And he, he goes, um, uh, would anybody like to try? Now, on the rings, I had the best swing of anybody uh, who did rings on our team. I go, I'll do it. I'll show this guy we need to go uh, past uh, the basic swing. So I get up, and I cast, and he's standing right here as I go by. And each time I went by, he had these gentle little comments like, uh, point your toes, uh, knee break, uh, too much arch. Uh, and just, I mean, this went on for like a couple minutes. It was death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> right. Foom, foom, foom. And by the end of my going back and forth, I'm like a noodle. Just plum, plum, plum. Right? I am so discouraged and all. And he goes, uh, thank you. Um, uh, please watch. And he gets up, and I'm standing where he was. I watched him cast, and I went, <gasps> and I'm going, oh. see what bothered me was, in my mind, I thought that my swing actually looked like his until I saw his. And I realized, so he gets up and he goes, like so. And he's got me. And so I spent the next few yards, work, hours working on the basic a swing. And then after we had a break, he showed us that when you master the basic swings, the B's and C's not only come more easily, but you do them better. That when you get the foundations down, where they become a part of you, then all the other things that you really want to do, you know, it's like jazz guys. Guys who really can do stuff on a guitar. Have you ever seen them? And you see kids go, I want to do that too. And they start going like this, and it's like a train wreck. Right? And then they go to the jazz guy. How do you do all this great stuff? And they go, hours and hours and hours of learning the basics. Getting my fingers bloody. Learning all my scales. Back to basics. This Christianity thing has a lot to do with basics. When we get the basics where they're just a part of us, not just, let's just have a couple weeks of seeking God and surrendering to Him and fasting. So let, what would it be like if what we learned during those couple weeks became part of who we are? Where we master the basic swings. When we master the basic swings, a lot of the things that we want to accomplish not only are we able to accomplish, but we accomplish them easier and better. That principle, the kingdom principle in direction. So I'm just going to give you a really quick, I'm, I'm sounding pastoral, please forgive me, because that's his job. Um, but these are basic swings. And if you ever notice, things that are basic, you just keep on doing them and doing them until they become part of you. 
You just don't learn it and then pass the test. So her, here's the first thing. Fasting. Now, of course, you can't fast everything all the time because then you go to be with Jesus a lot sooner than he wants. <laughs> fasting involves in denying yourself and giving up certain things. Sometimes it's just for a period of time, but sometimes, sometimes it's like forever, right? Uh, fasting involves denying ourselves, giving up certain things, at least for a season, to remove or minimize distractions so that we can follow the Lord. It's a way of realigning our souls. You know, I'm on a very extended fast right now. I'm not bragging about it, but it's true. And I'm, I'm doing all the, you know, I'm, I'm fasting social media, I'm doing this, and a whole bunch of other things. Because I'm really serious. This is such an important time in my life and, and the ministry that God's given me. It's just serious, right? But I'm doing all that. I've read what I've done before. And I decided to say, hey, God, what would you like me to fast? Like, right? And immediately he goes, I want you to fast fear. And I went, wait a second. I'm not a fearful. Oh, that's right. You're God. You know stuff. All right? And then, I mean, the last couple of weeks has been these little things of fear that I didn't even know were there. I used to call them wisdom and caution. Right? But now, oh my gosh, this is fear. I fast that. God, you know, this is woven into me. Weep something else. So fasting is, is a lifestyle. It's not a once a year thing. Here's the other one. Second one. Prayer. You know, you can, you can start snoozing on this one. But prayer, I mean, go ahead. Have a marriage where you stop really talking to each other except in times of emergency, and your relationship, you may love each other, but you're not close, right? Prayer is so fundamental. Talk to God throughout the day. I mean, you don't have to do it really loud while you're in Walmart. But, you know, you'll get canceled. <laughs> anyway, just talk to God throughout the day. You don't have to be eloquent. Just open your mouth. Talk to him. Persist in seeking and asking and knocking concerning issues that really matter to you. Just keep on going it. It is not weakness. It is not weakness to depend on God. It is the height of wisdom. Indirect. One more thing about this prayer thing. Make sure you carve out time to listen to God for what he might be saying to you. Yes, God still speaks. Prayer is not a one-way street. It is communication with him. He wants to speak to you as well as hear from you. Now, if you feel you can't hear from God, ask him why. He'll show you. He'll bring this big Q-tip. No. Ask him to teach you how he speaks to you. I'm doing that with my girls. God speaks to all my girls, but he does it in different ways. And I said, why don't you just ask God to teach you how he speaks to you? And they go, oh, okay. God doesn't have to speak to me the way he speaks to you? Heck no. If you feel you can't hear from God, ask him why. Ask him to teach you how he speaks to you. Hearing just one word from God can change your day, can change your life. Heck, it could even change you. Just one word. Here's the other one. Read your Bible. No, read your Bible. And if you don't like reading, listen to it. 
Just pick up a Bible plan. Start reading it faithfully. Even if you don't remember everything, just get it in you. Just, just get it in you. Get it in you. Um, start reading it faithfully. Scripture by itself, even if you owe points on the IQ scale, just encountering Scripture, reading it, has a power all to itself. It has a transformative power all its own. We plant it, and then all of a sudden God starts doing stuff. God often speaks to us through Scripture. His words, His truth, His wisdom will transform us and upgrade how we think, how we feel, how we navigate life. God, how do I do life? Well, I'll just keep faithful reading. Yeah. But God, isn't that brainwashing? Well, yes, it is. The issue is not whether or not you're brainwashed. The issue is, what do you wash your brain with? And here's another one. Confess and repent. Now, confess and repent doesn't mean you're always beating yourself, I'm unworthy and all that. But how we go forward is God shows us, no, this is not how I want you to live. Give that up and I'll give you something better. But you've got to agree that what God says don't do. You've got to agree with Him. You've got to confess it and go... I don't want to do that. Please help me. When the Lord shows you that, say, maybe your actions, your attitudes, your opinions, or your feelings, they conflict with God's will, don't deny it. Don't defend yourself. Don't justify it. And sure as heck, don't run away from it. You know, God said, don't do that. And you go, nah, 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 nah. Just, just, just stand there. Just stand there. And decide to sincerely confess these things. Yes, I was harsh with my child. Yes, I was not faithful to keep my promise. Yes, I have hatred toward in my heart. When you confess, Jesus has got this thing covered. When we sincerely confess our sins, you know what Jesus does? He will forgive us and he will cleanse us. He'll start changing how we think and how we feel to change our heart. I think that's a pretty good deal. And here's the last one. Now this really is a four-letter word. And for some people, they go, this is a bad four-letter word. But obey. Obey, not in a religious obey. We've had enough of that. We've had enough of that. Obey. But obedience is key. You want this? Do it God's way. Whatever you know to be God's will, just put it into practice. You don't even have to get it right. Have you ever noticed some things God wants you to start doing, you stink at? You're just not good at it. You know, forgive that person. Uh, all right, I forgive them. Do it through grit teeth. Next time you see them, and after a while, you keep on obeying. After a while, you go, oh, bless them. Bless them. I still don't want to be friends with them, but I no longer want to leave the room when they walk in. This is an amazing thing. Just put it into practice. Get the train out of the station. When he calls you to forgive, choose to forgive, even if it's through grit teeth. If you need to apologize, own what you did and apologize even if they started it. Right? When he calls you to take a step of faith, take the step, even if it's just a baby step. In John chapter 14, I think it's verse 21. Jesus said, The ones who love me know all the songs, 
show up to all the meetings and raise their hand. No, they don't do that. The ones who love me obey my commands. Now watch this. And those that obey my commands, not all at once, because we can't do that, but whatever God said, when we obey him, Jesus said, uh, I and my Father will love them, and I will reveal myself to him or her. There's a lot of people, seriously, there's a lot of people go, they feel the tug. I need to give my life to Jesus, but to give my life to Jesus, I don't know what I'm signing up for. But I feel the draw to give it up, to give up my past, present, and future to this unseen Jesus. All right. And they feel the pull, and they, they just do this. They go, all right, Lord, I will pray to you, and I will, I will repent for my sins, and I'll ask you to come into my life. I mean, that's not a whole lot. But God does a whole lot with just a little. Just that little step, boom, life change. Boom, new life trajectory. Isn't it amazing? Think of the guy, the prodigal son. He took God's blessings and used it for his own vision, for his own life. He crashed and burned. Life is not working out. And Scripture says he comes to his senses. And he goes, i got to go back. He could, have gone, he could have gone to Florida. He could have gone anywhere. But he goes, no, i got to go back. That, that call to return to God, it, it, he, he just took the little baby step. Kept on taking the little baby step. Just kept on going, ran to the father. The father didn't beat him up. He started restoring him, loved him, celebrated him. He had a new life, new trajectory. Isn't that interesting? Here's the thing. He would have never experienced that if he hadn't taken the first step. And then if he hadn't obeyed the call to come on back home. Obedience. Obedience is it's that indirect key to some of the things that our hearts scream for. Does that make sense? You, I just want to pray for us. I just want to pray for us that this, this year would be the year that by God's grace and our perseverance, we make uh, the basic swings part of who we are. When the foundations are tight, nothing can touch us. When, 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 when Christians are following Jesus, not even persecution will, will take away our joy. It's just an amazing thing. The basics. Get the basics. I'm telling you, um, Nothing can stand in the way of what God wants to do in your life. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for this awesome church. I really like this church. You like it. Actually, you died for it. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do something. That individual, we all go, hmm, God spoke to my heart. Lord, I ask that you would Embrace this kingdom principle of indirection. That the basic swings, they'd be life to us. God, the things you want us just to get rid of, at least for a season, let's just do it. God, uh, just give us grace to start talking more and hearing more. Make it 
a foundational part of who we are. Not just something we do in crisis, but when we have the time. God, your Bible, your word is life. God, can we do a steady diet of your word? It'll change us from the inside out. God, help us to be quick to confess and repent to you, knowing you'll forgive and uh, transform us. And God, for the big things, but especially the little things, cause us to want to obey as a way of just knowing you better. God, for those of us who are here who don't know you, the only thing God is asking you is obey the gospel. Just say yes to Jesus. That's the first step. For those of you who are here, but your heart's far away, you feel like a prodigal, the next thing Jesus is saying is just come on home. We'll sort it out. Just come on home. Just come to me. I will celebrate you. I will not beat you up. Lord, I ask by your spirit, you would establish this church in a deeper way in the foundations. When the foundations are strong, nothing nothing can move us. Nothing can move us. God, I ask again, you would do this for our sakes. Do this for the sakes of the people that we love, that are in our spheres of influence, the ones you've entrusted to us. And God, would you do this for the sake of your name that we carry with us when we leave this building? Amen.